Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello and welcome to Tasting Anarchy, the most Which is popular now for podcast. Ghosts. Yes, exactly. The most popular <laughs> podcast for ghosts. Uh, Take that, Debbie Lobato, or whoever it is that held the concert for ghosts. There's no way to confirm or deny this, so uh, we'll make this claim. Uh, and uh, the show, it heals packs past uh, trauma from sexism as well, but only for ghosts. I was going to say, but especially for ghosts. Yes, I, I agree. But only for ghosts. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the Metalocalypse episode when they get sued for mermaid murder, and um, and then like the what their defenses? They're like the the album specifically says only only intended for fish. Yeah, it's because everybody tried to listen to it and they like drown or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Where they were like, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they were like, no. It's it says specifically this album is only intended for fish. Yeah, like I think they like killed more of the fans because somehow they had bought copies of it, and you're not supposed to be able to even purchase it unless you're a fish. Or right. Like <laughs> it's something ridiculous. Yeah. I actually it's a really good episode. Like I like it when they put Toki down there in the Mariana's trench. Yeah. And and then he and like he like the oxygen mix or something is wrong and he has that like song for octopuses that he does. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it's such a great show. It's so funny because like at the time I didn't like it's clearly absurdist, yeah. but it's very st- satirical. And like, I just didn't catch like a lot of the stuff they were satirizing in it at the time. Okay. So yeah. like, yeah, it is one of those shows where I'm kind of like, I kind of want to go back and watch more of it, but I also am kind of like, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> like it's just kind of gross at a certain point. Like yeah, uh, a lot of it is. I mean, that but, first uh, episode when their chef gets chopped up by the helicopter blade. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they yeah. do like coffee from the hills of Columbia. <laughs> they, they sold the out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, uh, but that, um, they're, they're getting like a final movie. And oh, really? the Venture okay. Brothers are also getting a final movie. And uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force is. So. Okay. But it's all going to come out on like HBO Max, which is like one of the streaming services I don't have. So I'm like, uh, you, you can use uh, I, well, uh, well, no, you like, can I mean, like, use my account. <laughs> yeah, like I can I can get access to it, but that's what drives me nuts is like all that stuff used to be on Hulu, mm-hmm. and now it's like you know just the, well, like, what's the I guess Hulu I guess got bought by Disney, so then now they're like kind of splitting all that stuff up. Not no, so like Fox owned like say forty percent of Hulu. Okay. Well, Disney bought Fox, so they bought that's Hulu. Right, yeah. Like, so that's the thing is like we, yeah, you know, like my house we have, Am- uh, you know, we have Prime because we have Prime TV as it is, okay. or we just have yeah. Prime for the shipping, um, Netflix, Hulu. And um, XX Hulu and Disney Plus, but like with Disney Plus, like you know, like I won't watch The Mandalorian ever again because like Pedro Pascal like came out four 
like the people like Rittenhouse killed like the child rapists. Oh, did he? I don't, yeah, he was like, blah, blah, blah. This is an injustice. Let's fight for Jojo. It's like. A psychotic child rapist. And that's after they fired that like one girl who like was comparing like there was like the COVID response to the Nazis. And, oh, like, well, they unfired her. So uh, um, she's supposed to be coming back now to the Mandalorian because people were all pissed off about it. Well, they're, they're not doing any more Mandalorian as far as I understand. I think it's Boba Fett show now. But either way, like, you know, Disney is just it's so. Like so much of Disney is like unendingly woke and so much of it is not at all. And you're kind of like, it's confusing. So well, yeah, I see, like, you know what I think? I think the issue is, and I think Disney's a really good example of, of like a corporation that's too large where it's, is they don't know what to do there because it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, and you know, you and I talk about this and I, and actually I think we have like a, like some sort of disagreement on it or whatever, mm-hmm. but uh, just the, the uh, the extent of what wokeism is. I, I mean, I really do think there is just a there's like a clear dividing line somewhere where there's just there's people on one side that you can't talk to anymore if you're just a normal or what I would consider a normal human being, and then there's people on the other side who are, um, you know, they have a truck and the tractor and they go do normal work and they just have like regular life and stuff like that that are so like there there is this woke element that is loud and because I think that it's a lot of young professionals, it is per, pretty pervasive in a lot of these corporations like Google or, or Disney or, you know, any sort of that place. And it's just easy. It's easy to do that kind of stuff to go like, okay, well, we're just going to go and do this. Well, it was sort of like the Dave Chappelle thing at Netflix where all those people from Netflix protested mm-hmm. and, and Netflix was kind of going like, okay, well, we'll, we'll kind of do something about this. But then they just saw the numbers and they went, oh, never mind. It doesn't yeah. really matter what you think. Yeah. Because so clearly is, people want to see this. So this is one of those things where like my thinking on this has kind of started to crystallize where wokeism is actually the, the is a result mm-hmm. of the 2008 financial crisis. Mm-hmm. They basically made it so that businesses can't fail with this cheap money. Right. So like, you know, Apple's getting like record breaking profits and like Apple's pretty woke, but they are nowhere near as woke like day to day. Like they have a pretty high reign on their employee shenanigans a lot of the time. And also yeah. Apple's very large, but I don't think they employ anywhere near as many people as one would think. Like, you know, that's kind of one of those things. Like I, I wonder, and I might actually look up like if Wikipedia can tell me how many people like Apple actually employs yeah. compared to like Netflix. Cause it seems to me like, you know, like I understand like Apple's a very left company, but it just doesn't seem like it is so driven down that line. You know what I mean? Like, well, they've got 147,000 employees. <laughs> that's that's probably well, wrong. You know what? But I think it's kind of, I think Apple has been around long enough that they sort of have that. What was it that Michael Jordan said when, um, when they were asking about um, like why he wouldn't take a political stance on things? 
And he said, well, because Republicans buy Air Jordans also. Yeah. Which is, and I think that's kind of Apple's take on a lot of this stuff. And, and, and there's a few other kind of major corporations who sort of have this opinion too, where they're like, well, we'll go along with some of this stuff just not to catch heat. But also we do have, we, I mean, our clientele, like who buys Apple products? It's a lot of, it's boomers. A lot of boomers actually buy Apple products. Yeah. And, and like, but like also like I powered like, and because they are seen as better, pri- better on privacy than Android, which yeah, sometimes they are, which you know, true. some, yeah. Well, well, in some instances they are. Yeah. So and that's the thing is like in many of Apple's specific things, they are very secure, but in many of the third party stuff, it's just as bad as Android. Like, but Android has a lot of like just shady stuff that Google does. And you're kind of like, I'm not saying Apple doesn't do this. We just don't know. But like, right. Google, you said you didn't do this and here you've been doing it for multiple iterations of the phone. Like, what are you doing? So, but yeah, like Netflix has 12,000 employees, but that also might be part of it is, you know, like I, like I have family that work for Apple in their, maybe they're woke, but I don't think they fully are, but I think they enjoy like the current version of California. Like they love living in California, but I don't know if they love living in California because of what's happening or in spite of it. You know, it's kind of like, like my family that lives in San Diego, like they, like, you know, they, they would be shooting homeless in the street before they would think about leaving San Diego unless they could go live down in Mexico, like in like Baja, Mexico, which is basically like San Diego on steroids, except for like poor, (laughs) which they would be rich. So they'd be like, all right. But yeah, so that that's one of those things where maybe it's because Netflix has only 12,000 employees, but like Netflix is also purchasing other people's content to be their own, like they're green lighting their own, you know, like they're producing stuff and they still don't turn a profit. Whereas Apple, like, well, they may turn a profit now. Um, I don't know fully anymore, but like, to me, that's kind of the thing is like all of these companies haven't had to try. It's like, right. They're just, people are funneling money into them and all this weird stuff. So it's like, oh, like, you know, it's like how people are obsessed with like Twitter changing the rules and like how everyone's like, Twitter's like, you know, it's the new public square and it's going to be so bad if like Twitter goes away. Like how will like political discourse happen? It's like, why are we continuing to play the left's game? Twitter's the left's sphere. Get over it. If it goes yeah, away, I mean, that's and fine. The thing is, is it will, I and mean, I've been, you know, I've been attempting to sort of, although it's kind of a boring area, no offense to Dan, but switch to the federated networks. Um, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it gets to a point and then it's fun. It's just when there's not enough people there, it's not fun. Well, and but that, I think and one of the things that's that... sort of, yeah, the nature of the nature of, uh, what do you, what I guess, social networks is they do have to be to some degree, they have to have enough people there to make it a network. Well, and like, I think one of the things that like, you know, malice who like, I really respect a lot is always like, you know, the nation's growing political self ideology, self segregation is going along fine, but like malice has friends across the political spectrum. Right. And, you know, you and I are 
like you're not as sociable, like seeking social situations as much as I do per se. But when you are in a social situation, you are exceptionally social. You know what I mean? Like that's the, like you're willing to talk to most people. You're very kind. You're like, you won't yell at somebody, you know, like you would if you had to, but like, you're not going to just fly off the handle and get mad. Like, yeah, it, you know, so that's the thing for me is like one of the things I, I don't like about the idea of the federated networks is it lacks what Childerberg has, which like the, you know, the, remember the people who just founded Childerberg on Facebook and showed yeah. up and they were that's right, awesome. Yeah. And like, well, that's I, I actually, I knew, I did know that guy though. Uh, like I've well, hung out with him one, before. You knew one of them, but like, yeah, they didn't know it from Twitter. They didn't know it because they knew you, like they found it on Facebook somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then showed up. And like, that's the thing to me is like, one of the cool things about Twitter is like, you know, like when I see that routinely Ace is like Malice is interacting with something Ace said or something Ace said is somehow being tagged with Malice and then Malice is interacting with the response. Like, yeah. And it's like, I don't know Ace that well. I know his wife a little bit better, but only from like no, talking to her. Wife, like, you don't know his wife because you don't, you've never met his why his wife because he's not married. <laughs> You're confusing Ace with Dick. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, but I, I know exactly why you're confusing them because they do, they kind of look similar. Huh. But uh, a, uh, Dick on Twitter, I don't know if this is docking him or not, but I'll go ahead and do it anyways. Uh, or doxing? Is it docking or yeah, doxing? Do- dox- <laughs> doxing? Doxing. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's the libertarian lemur on Twitter. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But he interacts yeah, with Ace a lot too, so you've probably interacted with him or seen his responses and Maybe. stuff as well. I don't know why I confuse the two of them, but okay, clearly uh, they they because you know what they kind of look they do they do have a similar look. Like they but have I that swear sort of- like, but I swear Dick was wearing a hat that said Ace. Well, Dick was he was wearing like a hat like a. Uh, he usually wears like a Sacramento Kings hat or something like that. Cause he's from, he's from the same place I'm from. Yeah, but well, from Amador. Well, actually similar to where your wife's from. He's from like Fiddletown or somewhere like that. Yeah. But that's, I'm but not Ace like, is, Ace is from, uh, I don't know where he's from. I think he lives up in Maine somewhere maybe, or, okay. uh, well, New Hampshire or something like, like that. I'm sure you are 100% correct. Mm-hmm. It's just not what, sits in my mind correctly. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, I thought he had some, some, like, like, name like that. Well, Ace had, like, a cowboy hat at Childeberg. No, 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 uh, like, I, I understand that part, but I, I could have sworn that Dick had another, like, a... Aches was his other name. He's, he's, that's he's it. Dick. That's why. Yeah. I, yeah right. That's that's what's screwing me up. Is it? Aches oh yeah. yeah. It, oh yeah. Aches. Aches. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Actually, that's funny. That's funny. I'll, I'll I'll bring that up to him because that's because Ace and Aches is actually very similar. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what was screwing me up. Is like I never put together that I had just truncated that in my mind. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Aches. That's right. Because he's got. I, well, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I think it's because he has like a knee pain 
So it's like aches, like I have aching in my joints. I was going to say, I think he has general body pain from a injury that he's suffered. But either way, uh, that yeah. could be, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, so like that sort of thing, like it just, it makes me, but like that's one of the things I like about like occasionally looking at Twitter is like, you know, like Jack Posobiec. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think Jack Posobiec is, he has many takes that I don't care for. Right. But I find him very interesting. So like I look at his stuff. But like, yeah, he wouldn't be on the federated networks that we would be on. You know, it's just like things like that where it's like, well, see, see that's the that's the advantage of the federal of the federated networks. Or the idea is that you'll still be able to search anybody who has a spot. The the difference is that you you or I or in this in the case of Childerberg, it's Childerberg's hosted on the bag, so Dan would have to kick me off in order for me to be censored. But if you if somebody was federated with with the bag, they'd be able to see me, but they'd also be able to search me across all the networks. The same as you just like if if I'm like I want to follow Mason on Twitter and I look up Mason, I'd be able to see everybody on the federated network who is Mason and try to identify who the person is and then request to follow them. And then if they approve okay. it, so so that, that's a that's an yeah. element of it that I didn't realize is there, but like. In, but you could know, also you could turn you could turn your network off too. So like if they wanted if the bag wanted to be like I like isolated because I'm going to stand up Lindsay Lindsay Street here in uh, for my family. Lindsay Street's not going to be searchable. It'll just be us only and whoever else we let in. So the the Lindsay family will be on Lindsay Street and we'll all see each other's stuff and we'll be able to interact with each other and things like that. And then if if somebody wants to let somebody else into Lindsay Street. We'll, they'll just run it through by me, by me and I'll just I'll allow that person to be in there. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of those things that's like, you know, I've got my own networking stuff that I do internally at the house. Yeah. That's all like self-generated and self-propagated and, you know, all that nonsense. But like to me that, you know, and I'm not saying that doing that federated street for your family isn't worth it that just sounds like way too much work for because it's like the discord. Yeah. Which, like, yeah. Discord is. Yeah. I, I get, I understand what you're saying. Well, no, it's like, so it's not that you don't, but like what I mean is like, also is like when I get on the discord, sometimes I'm like, I don't understand half of what the hell these people are saying. But that's the, that's kind of how I feel about it. That's why I'm just not on discord very much. It's yeah. I, 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 once in a while I'll pull it up mostly for the peaceful trees in discord. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not active enough that uh, I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, but like, but the the intentional communities, Childeberg one, and the inner circle one that I think you're in. Oh yeah, uh, it's just too busy. I, I just don't, I don't understand what's going on, and I also don't know how to navigate it. Which yeah, makes, I mean, I mean, this is like this is like boomer complaints, I guess, but like. Boomers have legitimate complaints. I don't understand it, so I don't want to use it. And I think yeah. that the the federated networks, I think, are simple enough because they're basically clones of Twitter and Facebook. So it's yeah. just like it's just that's the way it works. But it's also Facebook and Twitter have no ability to say you can no longer have an account. So I did have I had a tweet actually this week. I'll read it to you. Okay. I, I meant to send from California in exile and I accidentally sent it for Childeberg and I'm really happy that I didn't get banned. Oh, okay. uh, let me find it real quick because 
I would say this is probably out of character for me, but um, hmm. so the so, uh, South China Morning Post tweeted this thing. It says beep, beep, boop, beep. Your vaccination record has been verified. And it's a video about this startup in some country where they're going to give you a chip that is implanted in your arm. And instead mm-hmm. of having to like show your phone to scan if you've been vaccinated, it'll it'll just passively scan you as you go through a sensor to see if your vaccine is up to date, right? Yeah, it's like one of the Norwegian countries is like working towards something that. like that. Yeah, or Scandinavian because Norway is right. its own and, country. And, and I'll tell you honestly, I and I didn't post this when I retweeted it, but like the thing that offended me most was that the person that they interviewed is a chief disruption officer, which to me is the most pretentious title of like any title ever chief disruption officer like stick a stick up your ass you're you're a retard like and mm. which leads me into my my retweet which i said i said if you get this chip there's no better no better way for you to broadcast to the world that you're a gay retard and <laughs> and I, I didn't think anything of it because I thought I was logged into the California next Exile. And if California next Exile gets banned, like who cares? It's got 24 followers or something, but uh, the Childerberg one, I, I kind of try to keep relatively ambiguous yeah. just, just for Childerberg news for the most part and just general non-offensive libertarian stuff. But it got like a lot of likes and a lot of retweets and, I, I was really nervous that somebody would report it and ban my account <laughs> because you're not supposed to say gay or retard in a pejorative sense. Yeah. So, and, and and frankly, I use I use them both in that sense. I I, th- I kind of agree with that. Like, yes, you should. You really should. Like, <laughs> I know. I know for my audience, it's fine. Be, but also, uh, and yeah, people following me understand it. But like, if it was somebody I didn't know, and well, for example, you you would be a good example of this. I think is like if you and I didn't know each other, you know, your uncle is is mentally disabled, and he's but he's not so mentally disabled that he doesn't understand that people are being rude when they use the word retard. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like, I personally like, I don't know. And I don't think I have met anybody in years that would like offensively refer to somebody who is mentally disabled that way. Yeah. Like, well, as an insult to them, like, yeah, I I, think as a society, we've kind of moved beyond that. mm, I I won't go that far. I could see somebody saying like, oh, yeah, yeah, Billy and his uh, retarded cousin, you know, like, and the cousin's actually mentally disabled. But yeah, but like, I don't think that would be rude. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's but like, just, it's descriptive. Yeah, but like, I don't think it's, I think that's kind of the thing that, and I'm not saying that they're wrong and I'm not saying they're right, but like, yeah. that's kind of the last vestige of being able to just call somebody who's mentally disabled a retard, like to their face, like in an yeah. offensive way is like, we can, and like I, you're, and I think, you're, just like, I think I, you're not yeah. saying like and his cousins like well we all know he's only got one cousin you don't need to point out the fact that he's retarded <laughs> yeah that's true and, and and I know that I actually 
like I've had to more recently, I guess, start thinking more about the way I describe people because as you know, and I think as most people who know me know, I'm a kind person. I'm not I'm not intentionally being offensive to anybody, but I am I do just use descriptive terms. So yeah. like there actually one thing that comes to mind was that one time we went to men's night and uh you you know Mike. So Mike was there and mm-hmm. they you might, this might've been actually, this might've been before you worked there, but maybe you were there and they were asking about Kim Kardashian and they were like, do you find her attractive? And I was like, yeah, not really. Um, you know, she's okay. And, and Danny was like, that's, that's kind of what I think. But Mike really likes her. And I goes, oh yeah, that makes sense. Mike, you're kind of like a wigger, right? <laughs> and, but to me, that was just like, Mike's a wigger. Like that's just sort of descriptive. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it makes sense. He likes big bootied women. Okay. Like, but, and, and all of that sort of follows, you know, and in my mind, that's not offensive. It's just, that's, it's just descriptive. And I remember Danny being, thinking it was hilarious, but also being like, dude, we're at a country club. You can't say things like that. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's just descriptive of, of Mike. Like, that's just kind of how he is. And, 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 and I, I do kind of catch myself a little bit more with that. And I think it Mm -hmm. might be because. I think it's a lot more with racial stuff because I was not raised in a uh, like in a community that was multiracial. Mm-hmm. So like, so there's things that are racial that just it doesn't. Why like why would I need to be sensitive about that? Yeah, like, like it's just descriptive. I never so, like to me like something like the word wigger was only like supposed to be like white N word. You know what I mean? Like that it's like, it, it isn't, there is no instance where it was designed or used. Like it, it's not like the, like Eminem crowd picked that up as their right. descriptor. You know what I mean? Like so, some of yeah, them. That's, tr- yeah. Cause that's really funny to me because that is exactly how I would describe the Eminem crowd. And it was never to me would have never been offensive. It's just like, oh yeah, they're, they're wiggers. Cause they're in, they're like white rappers or they're like into white rap. Yeah. But see, like, and, to and me, they like, like that culture. Yeah. But see, to me, like the whole reason to call somebody that is to get away with basically calling them the N word. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like, and that, and that never occurred to me until that moment, which is, yeah, is like, funny, you know? But it was just kind of like an accepted, like, this is just the way it is. You know, another good one or another another one that was kind of like a, a big one for me that I did not realize until I was much older was faggot. Where like somebody where I would use that as a descriptor a lot. Where like, oh, yeah, they're kind of like a faggy or like they're faggy or they're faggot or, or whatever, you know, and but it was never like an insult, at least not to my, in my mind. Until mm-hmm. I was until I was later on in high school, and I realized, oh, this is actually extremely inf- offensive to a lot of people. Yeah, but it was just and, kind of a descriptor, and like, and you know what's funny about it too is I, I guarantee my parents would never say it. Yeah, and like that's the thing is like, and this is <clears> where <throat> like, because I've never been to where you're from, and that place doesn't exist in the same way in any way. So right. Like when you're saying like these are descriptors, I'm kind of like, sure, but 
no. <laughs> like, yeah. To, to well, me, yeah, it's like I, mean, I, I, I would almost say I would say maybe not quite to the same extent because I think there is some degree. I mean, it's more like for young people who watch South Park, that kind of thing. But like, uh, I would say almost it's almost the same way as being like, oh yeah, that guy's a Mormon, and it includes all of the stuff that goes along with being a Mormon. You know, like, but you're not a Mormon. You're 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 describing what you project onto being a Mormon. So it's like hey. it's like it's when I when you go, oh yeah, you're kind of a wigger. Like it's like okay. So you like rap, you like big bootied women, you like uh, women who have straightened their hair. That's like, that's another big one where like they've overly chemically straightened their hair. They wear too much gold. Uh, they probably are going to drink. What, like what's another good stereotype for that? It's like they probably drink Crown, Crown Royal, Crown and Coke. That's probably a pretty common one. They drink new, or they smoke Newports. Um, like all Man, of these you're... sort of like stereotypical things that go along with that. That is like and, and so th- this is one of those things for me i have never put that much thought into it mm-hmm. so like everything that you were saying i was kind of like what <laughs> like you know i i don't disagree with the the logic but yeah. the fact that you had that much not ammunition but like additional comment on it was surprising to me. Okay, interesting. See, and, and I wonder if this is like a California or like a Northern California thing where it is very much a uh, a monoculture. Mm-hmm. So there's like, there's just not that many, especially at the time, like when I was coming up, like there, it was just, uh, there were Asians and there was Mexicans, but there was not really that many black people. Uh, and it was <clears throat> kind of like, I would never say wigger specifically meaning white people who were into black culture. It would just be anybody who's sort of into that general white rap, you know, Eminem culture, like that sort of like the late nineties rap culture would be wiggers. And it would be sort of like, um, I don't even know the term for it, but like the, the white kids who are like really into uh, anime and Japanese culture and all that sort of stuff. Um, Yeah. I don't. I don't even know what the term for that would be, but it would be otaku. But I, I would always say anime kids. Oh, the, the uh, otaku is the otaku. So like, so like otaku is kind of. It's a. It is not a polite term in Japanese to refer to somebody. It's like somebody who's kind of like obsessive about anime. Like they're it. It's kind of like means a creep, but like. Okay. From the the sense of like calling somebody a wigger, like otaku would be kind of the. It's less offensive per se because of you know, the substitution with the W and the N for wigger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but like that's kind of the that would be kind of the idea. So like, but that's the thing is like to me, you know we, like when you were like chemically straightened hair, I was like, huh, not like not something like maybe it's because like I, I am, I like, I don't live in a, like a non, like I, I live in a multicultural area of Hampton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hampton Rose is very multicultural. Um, but like my wife is always talking about like how it is like, it's like very segregated here. Like, cause it's like 
at least in Stockton, a lot of the neighborhoods just kind of run together because it's flat. It's just like farmland, mm-hmm. except for around the harbor. Whereas here, it's all like broken up and everything like that. And she's always like, oh, it's like like kind of segregated here. Like, you know, a lot of the communities don't mix. And I'm like, I don't know that that's true. I don't know that that's wrong. But to me, a lot of that's because like she was in like high school and like going to a, like a multicultural area high school, as opposed to where like we are now where it's like, yeah, we don't necessarily have like a lot of ethnic neighbors per se. Like I think everybody on our street is white, like to a point, like from one side to another. Um, No, like there's a, there's an African-American couple lives down the street, but like we don't interact with them because like they're never home. Like, yeah, we're out in the yard, we're playing with the kids and the kids are just playing. But like one of the, like there's a pastor and his wife is a pastor, I think, but like they're Anglican pastors. So I don't know oh, like, what they are, but like yeah. they have an adopted <laughs> son who's black and like they're both white, but like they, it they never bring it up. So it's not like a kind of like, Oh, look at our black son. Like, and our son's black. And you know, cause we have a black son. Like, they literally never mention his race. So it's like, clearly they just love the kid, at least as from my experience with them. So I'm like, okay, well that's cool. So, but like, and that's why I kind of think is like, my wife's always talking about like that. Oh, like Stockton's like so multicultural and stuff like that. Or like more of it. I'm like, no, you were just in school. And that's just who was in school. It was like, it was pretty multicultural school for me. So yeah, I, I do think, I mean, I really do think there is a big difference with, um, yeah, well, and I'm sure Stockton is a lot different than like where I grew up because yeah. there was literally one black kid at our school. Yeah. There was, there was Asians and Mexicans, but like it was so, you know, multicultural in what sense, I guess, but like it is, it's just a different place. So, you know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, it's just a different, it's a different thing. And I, I'm sure your wife had a different experience than me because the Valley is different than the Hills, but, um, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Majorly. But, uh, I think cause that was like a big shock and, and I've told the story on the show a million times. I remember landing in, uh, Norfolk and, and getting out. My dad kind of picked me up and, and I remember going like, Oh my God, dad. And he goes, what? And I go, a black guy. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, he goes, yeah, Jake, there's a lot of black guys here. And I was like, but he's smoking. And, and, and I, it wasn't a shock to me that he was black. It was a shock to me that he was smoking in public. <laughs> and, and like, I was like, he's smoking cigarettes. <laughs> like my dad's like, Jake, Jake, we're in the South now. Like people smoke here and there's black people. Like I was like, oh, I, it's, it's so offensive that these people would do it. Only teenagers smoke. And like, but like this just whole kind of like indignation that like there would be a person smoking in public. And <laughs> like it just single handedly most California. State. Yeah. From oh, it like was. I mean, it, mid, it was mid nineties California. So yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny about it though, is that I had, I had a friend when I was in, in California whose parents or, well, he, he was raised by his grandparents. So when I would go over to his house, it was his grandparents, but they, his grandparents smoked. So yeah. it was one of those things that was very much a, well, old people do it and teenagers do it. Yeah. And the teenagers are scary. 
and the old people just do it because they're old. But like mm-hmm. seeing like an just a adult, like a regular, probably actually the probably this guy that I saw was probably in his twenties, like probably a navy yeah. guy. Like to me, that was such an anathema. It was just like, oh my god. Well, and like what I think is super funny about this is like you were like 12, 13, right? Uh, 14, 14 probably. Yeah. Weren't you already like six, two at that point? Uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But what, <laughs> what I think is, it, yeah. what I think is so funny about that story is like, cause you're always like, Oh, it's like teenagers and they're scary kind of thing. And it's like, like your ending of like preteenism, let's say, like to me, it always feels like it was a like slightly later than like not later in like a sense like you were just like naive, but like you're in your own worldness. You know, like how like when you're like a yeah. kid, like you're really into your own world, and it's kind of like, oh yeah, my friends are here, but like if my friends aren't here, I'm gonna play with this stick, and I'm a I'm a marine, and you know, or whatever it is. And you're just goofing off and then your friends show up for a long time and then they leave and then you're kind of like, oh, that was lame that they're gone. And like, if you're you, you just started knocking on doors if somebody could hang out. And then like, who's here? Yeah. And then like, you you know, you talk about like, you know, 14 landing in Norfolk and it's like somebody smoking in public and my parents smoked throughout my childhood. And then like, Everybody, not everybody smoked around me, but people smoked. Like it's just a thing. I, you know, lived in the South, so yeah. as as you would say, and but then like, you know, I think you've had like what like nine or ten cars at some point, and it's like the the just the breadth of time from landing in Norfolk and like being fourteen and like being surprised people smoked in public, and it's a black guy you know, just even more yeah. kind of exotic, I guess. And then like you, like when you're like, Oh, you remember when I had this car? And I'm like, I only remember you having the Explorer and the, like the Fiesta. And you're talking about like the truck and the Bronco. And then like the little car where you had to stick your head out of the sunroof to drive that, it. Well, that was a car that actually, that, this story took place in that car, the car that yeah. I had to stick my head out of the sunroof. Yeah. Cause yeah. my dad bought that. My dad bought that car on base and um, it was 250 bucks or something like that. And so then after that summer, it was just me and my dad that summer, he taught me to drive and I bought that car from him so that I was able to drive that car around. Um, you know, you know, my, I wouldn't say that my parents let me drive wherever I wanted to go, obviously, with, without a license, but I was kind of allowed to drive in a general range. Mm-hmm. as long as I was careful, like I couldn't go on the highway, but I could like drive to church or I could drive to my work or something like that with, with the car, even though I didn't have a license, it was not a big deal. Um, and it was that car. It was a Honda. We called it the zombie, the Honda zombie. It was a little green Honda civic. Yeah. Um, and you just, and, and, but I, it was such a small car in order for me to fit. I had to open the sunroof and kind of like stick the top of my head out. <laughs> Because it was such a tiny, <laughs> tiny car. And so me and my dad, when he picked me up from the airport, we we opened the sunroof and he and I both were sticking our head out to kind of like drive around. Because my dad's <laughs> six six two, six three. And I at the time like that I arrived in Norfolk, I was probably six one, six two, something something like that. Yeah. And uh 
so we're driving around in this tiny, tiny Honda Civic with our heads sticking out and me yelling as loud as I can, (laughs) pointing out black people smoking cigarettes. (laughs) Going, oh my God, look at that. (laughs) And, but you know what? What's funny about it is, um, in, in kind of like in retrospect to it, I had never been east of the Mississippi up until that point. Mm -hmm. And I had only ever been out of, out of the West coast once. And it was to go to South Dakota. So we, I had, I had had a lot of experience traveling up and down the West coast, but I had never really gone out East. And it, it is a culture shock for anybody who didn't grow up on, on the West or grow up on the East and then go West. Like, Going going east for a young kid from, I wouldn't say rural California exactly, but small town California, uh, especially I would say maybe extremely suburban California would probably be the best way to describe it. Well, I, um, like I don't think like I mean I didn't grow up in El Dorado Hills and I've never been there, but the way you describe it, suburban doesn't sound right. Like rural sounds pretty appropriate. Well, so I would say it's, I, I wouldn't say it's quite rural. But it's like I would say extremely suburban. So mm-hmm. it was it was it was a neighborhood and there was neighborhoods around it. And we did have, you know, grocery stores and stuff like that. But it was so far away from a main work center that it was also had that sort of rural aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So it was so like extremely suburban, I think would be the you know, what they what they call it out there is a bedroom community. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they—I don't know if they call it that. That no, I've heard uh, that before. Out east. Okay, yeah. So it's basically—it's just—it's it, a commuter town. There's just not a lot going on in that town, other than people go in to work somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And now, granted, Sacramento and Folsom and all of those those smaller cities have expanded into it. And now it's—you know—when I grew up there, we, actually, you and I, I think, looked this up. Uh, it was a two like a two thousand five hundred person town or something like that when I was mm-hmm. a kid. And it's a 47,000 person town now. Yeah. And like, you know, we're like Virginia Beach is five near 500,000. Norfolk's like 250. Chesapeake's like 300. So like, you know, there's like, I've always kind of been in an area that's near a million people. Yeah. And then you live in like, you know, the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex and it's like eight now. But like, it's, it's, it's so funny. Like the like the idea of the culture shock because I grew up out here and having friend, you know, family who lived in San Diego. Like we went out there when like, I was like seven, like, or something like that. We drove across the country and like had this really like kind of crazy family trip and like went up to like see my grandparents in Washington. And, you know, it was like one of those like crazy things. But like, I remember just like getting to San Diego and going to like my cousin's house that, like I have a cousin who's got two sisters that are twins and then him and they're like very close together. Cause the twins are adopted. Cause my aunt didn't mm. think she could have any more kids after right. they had lost their first kid. And then like, as soon as they confirmed their adoption, like they found out they were pregnant. <laughs> so, oh wow. And they, they were, they were pleased as punch um, sure. you know, about the situation. But like, I remember getting there and like nobody having a yard is what I remember from like San Diego. Cause like we didn't really yeah. go to the beach. We didn't do like, cause I don't know if like we may have gone to the beach, but like, I just remember nobody had a yard and like mm-hmm. you could look out the window and basically like see your neighbor 
And like where my parents, like you, you saw like seeing my parents' original house. That's the house we still lived in at the time. You really couldn't see the neighbors, like because it's on a court, so like it's splayed out. Yeah. Like my right. parents' house currently, yeah, you can see the neighbors and all that stuff. But like it was just you know one of those things that's like goofy, like kid thing. I'm like, oh man, everything's like so crowded here. And then I'm like, now as an adult, I, like I'm obviously happy to a point worth where my life is but like i really wish like we had moved to san like san diego like my my parents had opportunity to do several times um just because of the like it never gets cold so like right. you could be outside all the time and like i would have yeah. been outside with my cousins who were like fishermen and surf surfed you know like i would have possibly done a lot more with them than what I did here. But like, I also look back and I'm like, I said, like, I'm happy, but like, I kind of like, oh man, like growing up in California would have been nice <laughs> to a point. Yeah. I mean, it, so. you know, being out there was kind of an interesting, it, it was, it, being out there for an extended amount of time kind of gave me a better appreciation for San Diego. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, I've only ever been out there a couple of days. Uh, I, I was out there briefly a couple of years ago. And then, and then I went out there with Victoria to get uh, some stuff from my dad and just hang out with him for two days or something like that. But being out there for two weeks, I was kind of like, you know what, this is, this is actually a really nice place. And I understand why people want to live here, even yeah. though it's expensive, even though it's got all of these like city problems. But I was also very surprised that um, I'm trying to think of like the way to say this is like, it was not as COVID as I would have expected. Mm -hmm. And also the homelessness was not as, at least not in the places where I was, was not as bad. Now I went and visited Q the abolitionist on Twitter, shout out to Q. Um, and I went to his church that Sunday and, uh, actually great service. He has, he's got a really great pastor. Um, but they, that church had kind of, was in a what you know what's funny is that that area was where my parent parents lived when I was born. So oh, wow. Because I was born in San Diego. So yeah. it was um so it's kind of interesting to see the area where they lived when I was born. Yeah, they only lived mm -hmm. there for about six months and then they moved back up to where I'm from. But uh it was interesting to see it. But also he was telling me about that church, I guess, that like when they first bought that property, there was a lot of prostitutes and homeless people and stuff like that. And they kind of had to like figure out a biblical sort of Christian way to deal with that situation mm -hmm. without, you know, you know, you have a church, you paid a lot of money for it because it's San Diego, like or it's California in general, you paid, I don't remember exactly how much he said, but I'm just going to invent a number, you know, $4 million. You've paid like $4 million for a property in a really nice part of San Diego, beautiful. How do you, as a Christian, deal with prostitutes trying to turn tricks on your property, drug dealers selling drugs on your property? How, how do you deal with that? And the way that they dealt with it, and I think this was a clever way of doing it, just given the situation, was they made like a relaxation center for police mm -hmm. officers. So it, yeah, so basically it's like a, it's like a part of the building where it's 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 code access. If the police have the code, they can get in. They can go ahead and do like paperwork or they and there's always coffee available, there's always donuts available, that sort of stuff so that now 
now you've got a center in this community where a lot of people own property around there too. Like, you know, in a different life, my family would have owned a house in that same neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you get now you have police who are regularly showing up to sit there and just file their reports and stuff like that. And their cars are just parked there. And that kind of makes the prostitutes and the drug dealers go, you know what, this is just not worth it for us to be here. Let's move out somewhere else. Yeah. And so it's kind of an interesting, it's just, it, it's interesting how that dynamic works where it's like this church figured it out. They were able to make it so that these people were not, you know, doing stuff that was bad for the neighborhood in this general area. Why can't the government just figure that type of thing out? Well, and that's the, you know, you know, kind of the, I think we'll end on this because it's, it's that. Yeah. The government doesn't respond to market forces. So that's the, the big issue is they, they, they see a problem and they've mm. got, you know, a limited toolbox and that right. none of those toolboxes is like, what's the market dictate? They go and, and like, I think this is one of those things that like people have a hard time with mm -hmm. the government sees an issue that the market itself may not have an issue with. Right. And, and yeah, that's, that's the thing point. is like the market, the market demands, and like, this is kind of one of those, you know, no judgment, but sort of judgment, I guess. I, I don't know how to say it is like the market clearly demands prostitution and drugs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that, that's the correct way to say it is that there yeah. is a market for that. So yes, oh. yes, the market demands this. And the, I guess the counter to that is the market also demands low income, safe neighborhoods. Yeah. And, and that's the, and that's and hard the to thing reconcile. that, yeah. and that's the thing that the government has decided is there, the market can't, the market, like the government has decided that the market won't provide low income, safe neighborhoods. Now I'm not saying the market would. I'm not saying the market wouldn't. I don't know. Like, I'm assuming it would eventually, but when, you know, how long would that take? Who knows? I'm not like here to say that, like, it's just like Malice says, uh, you know, like everyone's like, oh, like if blah, 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 like anarchy took over, you'd be the first dead. And he's like, yeah, it would suck. Anarchy would suck for some people and it would be great for others, but on the whole, it would be better for everyone. So like, yeah, right. same thing with market solution. So I think that's kind of that position where it's like, People are going to visit prostitutes. People are going to do drugs, but those could be done in safer, better ways for everyone involved. You know, like right. there are women that don't like there are women who have no issue emotionally being a prostitute and can just be okay with it. And it's just a job and yeah. they're, you know, they're fine doing it. They, if they want to leave the profession, they can leave the profession. You know, like there's no issue. And then there's basically every, like everyone else where it right. messes up and people well, who see, like, and, that, and that I would say like those types of women are like a, like a, a unicorn almost where it's like, yeah, that's not actually like it, it you know, I got into this kind of this fight on, on Twitter, going back to our original thing where 
they where they were doing the sex work is work thing. And I said, yeah, it is. And I don't think this is an original idea. I think I probably got it from somebody else. But um, the point that I made was if sex work is work, then me asking my employee to take out the trash at the end of the day or me asking my employee to give me a blowjob at the end of the day is equivalent. And clearly it's not. They're different things. So, so sex work and work are not necessarily exactly equivalent. They are very clearly different things. Uh, that, that's an equipment article to like, like So to me, I get the point you're making in some ways, but to me, like, no, it's still work. It's just the nature of the job and what is socially normal. Now, yeah. I don't no, think you- I agree with you that it is. Okay. It's, it's what is socially normal. So my point is, though, if our former employee, employer, your current employer, was like, hey, what I want you to do, Mason, at the end of the day is, you know, you're, you do your job and it's, you know, customer service and you're doing a good job on that stuff. But, it, you know, what we really need to cut some costs- and so what I need you to do is at the end of the day, I need you to just take your trash out, right? Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, that's fine. Because to me, that seems extremely reasonable. I'll take my trash out. No no big deal. But would you ever go, fuck you, I'm not, I'm not a garbage collector? Like, no, you wouldn't. Because taking the trash out is kind of a reasonable request. But that's just but like, there's, okay, there's yeah, a, you know what? A- I don't want to do it, but it's kind of reasonable. But there are people that would respond that way. And to be yeah. to be honest, I would probably tell him no. Yeah. Well, and, and, like, may, and, may, and maybe you would. But I, I think that the majority of people would kind of go, yeah, I don't really want to do this. But you know what? It It's not a big deal. And just taking my trash out, it's just not a big deal. I, I pass by the dumpster on the way out. I'll throw the trash out or whatever. But I guarantee you the larger percentage of people, if he said, look, we're trying to cut costs. Normally, I hire a prostitute to blow me at the end of the day, but I really need to be blown every single day because I have a high sexual appetite and it's good for the business. So I really need you to do that at the end of the day on your way out. Clearly, that is a absolutely unreasonable expectation. It is, they're not equivalent. They're completely different things. And you, you, would, you would be offended. You would say, I'm not a prostitute. And if sex work is work, and it's the same thing as any other type of work, which is what the Libertarian Party says, that it's, it's the same as any other type of work. Being, you can be a trash person, and it's the same as being a prostitute. All of this is equivalent, because work is work, and sex work is work, right? This is what the hashtag is. These are all the same things. Then you should be okay with if your contract says, I'm a payroll processor, and a prostitute, that should be fine for you. But clearly, it's not fine for most people. But but that's, so this is the issue to me. You are, you're equating my contract. So Mm -hmm. if in my contract, I said no, I said no. So like, to me, like, I get the, the societal norms, and I'm not arguing like prostitution should be like societally more acceptable. But mm-hmm. like the people, you know, it's like cleaning up dead bodies. 
Yeah. Like work, work is work. It's, and cleaning and, up dead bodies is clearly not normal work. Correct. And neither is prostitution. That's my point. But like, that's the thing is like that. But would, but would you normal. ever, I guess, I guess my, my point would be, would you ever hashtag cleaning up dead, dead bodies is work? Like, why would that be your hashtag? No, it's clearly not. Therefore, it deserves a premium. So if sex work is work, you're saying that these are equal. Cleaning up dead bodies is not normal. But why would you me, say these are equal things? But to me, work is a continuum. There is easy work, and there is enjoyable work, and then there is work that I'm not going to do. Like, right now, like legal work, okay. clean, cleaning up dead bodies... I'm never going to do that. Okay. I'm just never going to do that. It's still work. I'm never going to do it. But would Same you say it's with- normal work? That, that, that's my point is that like there's certain jobs that are normal, that are just jobs. And you may not like them, but they're just regular old jobs. Like, I, I guess that would maybe be the, the yeah, this is funny because Victoria and I actually had this conversation earlier today where we have a friend who, uh, is in our circles here in DFW, who's unemployed. I have, it has never occurred to me in my life to be unemployed. You you remember mm-hmm. I sold plasma for several years. I'm not embarrassed by that. Yeah. Like I needed extra money. I sold plasma because it's fast and I could still do my normal job. And I needed, I needed an extra 150 bucks a month or, or 150 bucks a week or whatever it was. Cause it paid me a lot because I have, some sort of blood stuff that pays more. But uh, the the whole point of this is, is I have never in my life, it, like to me, it's never been a concept. And maybe this is just like a, maybe there's something special about me or whatever, or like I have some sort of privilege that I'm not aware of. It has never occurred to me that I would not have a job. I I could have a job that I did not like, but it has never occurred to me that I would not work. And I don't know if that is just a, and and I and I have never been unemployed since I was twelve years old, like that. So it is to me is a bizarre thing that like somebody would say. So Victoria and I were kind of talking about this, and uh, today when we went out to brunch, and I was like, "It, we have a friend, and he is unemployed," and I said, "This would never happen. This would never happen in our relationship." There's never a point in my life where I would not have some sort of job and some sort of income. If for some reason I lost my job, immediately I'm I'm down to Octopharma and I'm selling plasma because I know mm-hmm. for a fact that I can get $150 a week selling plasma. It's it's not a lot, but it's something. Yeah, and I also but, guarantee so- that I could go down to Walmart and I could be a night stalker and I could make another 200 bucks a week. Yeah. So, so between those two things, I'm making 350 bucks a week. It's not enough really, but there's never a point in my life where I would go it's not worth it to me to make, you know, 150 bucks a week or 3 or 200 bucks a week or whatever doing these types of things. I'm just going to sit on my ass for 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 4 or 5 months and just not have a job. Like that to me is is bizarre. And yeah, and so, so this is sort of to that the point of the prostitute is I would say it's not exactly the same thing, but like um, selling plasma is basically selling your body, right? So like if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. But 
and I could also understand like if I was working in payroll, the way that we that we both used to work is if my boss was like, you know, we're we're trying to make ends meet and we want you to also sell plasma and we're not going to give you anything more for it. I'd be like, okay, yeah, you know what? This is a little bit too much. Uh, I'm going to look for something else. But I would also go selling plasma is, you know, it's just selling plasma. It's not a, it's not really a big deal, but I can get more money doing it somewhere else. And so there's no point for this. So to me, like taking out the trash, I guess, would be so like I, I agree, like there's a different there's a scale, but also I would never consider saying like selling kidneys is work or selling plasma is work. It's like, no, clearly these are different things. These are it's a different category of of value. Whereas being a trash collector is also just kind of like a it's a I wouldn't even say a low quality work, but a, a menial type of work, a low skill work, I guess. And it is not the same as selling sex. Like they're, they are clearly different things and society and personally people put a different meaning on these things. So saying sex work is work is not equating what it actually is to reality. At least that's what I would say anyways. And, um, I mean, this was a very long rant to to me to kind of explain that, like, no, this is not the same thing as taking out the trash. And and what I would say that the Libertarian Party always does is they're trying to equate the same th- these things. Where they're like, oh yes, this is the same thing. It's like, no, look into most people who work in the sex industry. They're usually not always, but they're often damaged or they're sex trafficked or they're not happy with the work that they were doing or they didn't really want to do it and they were pimped and like. I guess that's sex trafficking. There's like there's a there's a very wide variety of of this particular industry not being an industry people want to be involved in, and they get involved in it for a wrong reason. There are very very rare cases, and Thaddeus Russell has had a couple people on his podcast where they are sex workers and they like it. He's also had several people on his podcast where he celebrates them as sex workers, but when they tell their story, you're like, holy fuck! Like this is not. This is not a good life. Yeah, and but like they clearly don't like it. So I I think you are making distinctions that aren't relevant per se. I don't mm-hmm. disagree that yeah, a lot of people who do sex work have had terrible lives, but like you know how it is like the like it's a you know kind of a joke between the two of us like how everybody on reddit has like suffered the worst childhood abuse ever that's true and, <laughs> and, and like you know yeah like, that's true <laughs> like yeah. think about like how many in you know and i'm not like saying that people who post on only fans to try to make more money aren't also suffering from the same problems but like yeah. there's a bunch of people who do sex work on OnlyFans where it's taking nudes and like they're not actually, you know, seeing a client per se. But to me, they are both work. They are work that I do not wish any female in my family to do. I will do what it takes to just like you were saying, like, you know, I've been unemployed, but in the sense of like, I moved to California and I was trying to find a job just out of college. Like, mm-hmm. and when I couldn't find a job, I literally moved back across the country for a job that I'm still at, you know, like mm-hmm. I, 
and I haven't been unemployed in 10 years. And like, I wasn't unemployed. I had just gotten out of school and I was trying to find a job and I had left a job at GameStop, like that I didn't need to leave. But like, I was like, I've got a college degree, two college degrees. Now I clearly find a job and I did, but like to me, it's, it is still a job. Even if it is a job that people maybe shouldn't engage in, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those jobs where it's like, yeah, probably not a good job for you. Probably not good for your mental health. It's like people who work in slaughterhouses. It's like, right. You know, that is a very rough, rough line of work mentally. Well, so let let me, let me boil this down a little bit more. Let's, let's, let's like, let's take the money earning part of it out. And it's kind of like, I, I would say there's a difference between a normal Twitter account of somebody just tweeting stupid stuff and a person that retweets porn. Like they are just different things where, and, and that's kind of, I think the, what I'm driving at is like when, when somebody says sex work is work. Yes, it is work. Like, I'm not saying that it's not, I'm saying that it, it but what you're trying to say when you say sex work is work is you're trying to say that it's the equivalent of being a cashier at Kroger. It is not the same thing. And, and, and I would say that selling plasma is not the same thing either. Like it is, it sucks that people have to do that, but plasma is a thing that's needed. I guess I would say even in a different way, like you, they do need blood plasma. But if you, if you spent the amount of time that I've spent in a plasma bank selling plasma, it's, the people that are there are not happy to be selling their blood or selling their blood plasma. It is, it is a, I, I really hate to say this because it, it, it does not really follow. It doesn't match my, <laughs> my idea ideology. It's predatory. Like it is really like the people that are there selling plasma and the amount of money that they're getting paid for it is, I was actually happy to get the amount of money I was being, but like when you look at the people that are there selling it and, and showing up at, you know, 5.30 a.m. before going to their regular job to sell plasma. And, and I'm so lucky that I'm big because I could, the plas- they could get the plasma out of me in like 30 minutes. Some of these people who were smaller and like really, and clearly needed the money more than me uh, that were selling it, like it took them, you know, an hour, hour and a half to get the plasma out. Like it is, it's a, it is clearly a different thing. And, and I, and I think that might be what it is. And maybe it's a mindset thing, but it's like sex work is, I think, predatory in a way that, that being a clerk at Kroger is different. Like it's, it's just a different thing. And I think that's kind of what always sort of offends me about the, you know, to be, to be a uh, (laughs) offended millennial or whatever, I guess. But like it, it, sex work is not work in the same way that being a clerk at Kroger is just like selling plasma is not the same thing. I think yeah, selling but- plasma is a, is a different thing than sex work, but it's like, it is, it's, I think there's considerations that should be taken to it into account when thinking about it that are not taken into account when people post things like sex work is work. And I, and I understand what they're saying is that this should not be illegal. It, there should be some sort of protections on it because it should be moved more into legitimacy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that would be sort of what you, what with the, uh, 
with selling blood plasma. You know, you, you remember when I used to sell it, like uh, sell blood plasma, because I worked at the same company that you currently work at. Yeah, I I just didn't. Re- In my mind, you did it for like six months at the most. No, I, I, did, I did it for over yeah. a year. And it was, no, was just it saying, was, like, uh, in my mind, like, just don't remember that. <laughs> well, you know, and I'll say, like, 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 very, very frankly, is it was kind of embarrassing for me a little bit that, like, I mm-hmm. couldn't make enough money to support my family. But the thing is, I could have made enough money to support my family had we changed our expectation of living standards. Yeah. And you also could have taken student loan. Like, there's a bunch of things that you could yeah. have done. That you chose yes, yes. not to do. That we chose not to. And in yeah. retrospect, that those were all of the correct decisions. You know, we we have zero student debt, both of us at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we're financially independent um, to, to a large degree. I, I guess we both kind of need to still work, but <laughs> we're, we don't really have any debt. We don't really have any sort of big problem. I mean, I guess other than the house, but like, those were correct decisions. It was live a little bit of a harder life, be committed to being married. Um, Cause that, that was kind of the biggest thing is like, I would say that a, a large percentage of people our age th- going through the financial struggles that Victoria and I went through, like they would not necessarily have made it out on the other side. Cause it was tough. It was, it was a very difficult. And I, and I don't think it was just financial. It was sort of like, there's a lot of things about like, cultural divide uh her leaving her life in new york where she had some stability and and kind of knowledge of the future and stuff like that and then coming into and living someplace where she had no friends of her own she had all my friends like she could count on you she could count on ashley she could count on the on those people but they were not her people Mm -hmm. like so it's like those are kind of like a lot of like so there was a lot of sacrifice involved in that but and then also an, a naivete on my part where I'm kind of like, I make a decent amount of money. I can support a wife. And then it's like, oh, shit, like this is expensive. Yeah. To support like, another person. So, and, and that's the thing is like, and I don't mean this in like a negative way, but like you have mm-hmm. never been one to penny pinch after you mm-hmm. moved out of your parents' house. You Mm-hmm. did it at times but you could have done it more and like it's it's oh, yeah. not here it's neither here nor there but like the bigger point to like to me to the conversation is and i don't mean this in like a grandstanding like i'm somehow a better person but i think the difference is like you know it's like you're shocked that somebody was outside smoking yeah yeah like it you like you aren't saying, and I'm not putting these words into it, and I don't think you think this, but that you have a moral objection to someone being a prostitute. Yeah. And no, that's true. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, you're not condemning them. You're not saying you're going to hell. You're not, you're not any of those things that other people are putting onto it. But to me, it's the same thing where like, like the radical left is like, the same way that like this prostitute goes through these things, that's what the, you know, like the person at Kroger experiences, you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they put that moral objectivity on work there. So 
to me, it, it to like, it's kind of that cl- like it's a difference in your upbringing and current yeah. mental position compared to my upbringing, which was, you know, it's not that like my parents were like prostitutes are a good thing. Like they were definitely well, yeah. not that, but they like, I don't have the religious like foundational world view like that you have. And so to well, me, you know, let, like, let me, let me, let me put it this in a, in a slightly different way that would probably appeal to sort of the leftist mindset. Not, not that you have that, but just in general is if sex work is work, would you consider them the same worse or less than a tobacco, a tobacco executive? And I guarantee that a left, a leftist would say, Oh no, clearly a tobacco executive is worse. But I also guarantee that they would invite the tobacco executive to their barbecue and they wouldn't invite a prostitute their, their barbecue. Yeah. So uh, and there is moral implications, and the moral implication the moral implications may or may not be logical or sound. But I think there is a clear difference between being a tobacco salesperson, you know, or being a person turning tricks on the corner. Like it, it is a different thing, and it should be clearly a different thing. That that's my point. Is that yes? Well, my my main point is that. Libertarian Party, this is a losing argument. Abandon it. You should <laughs> be put. You should be pushing in your in your bylaws or whatever that prostitution should be legal, and I and I do think it should be. And I think it should be much much more open than it is because do you remember that episode of King of the Hill where Hank thinks he's or uh, people think Hank's a pimp? Do you remember yes. that one? <laughs> but but the whole implication of that is that people were afraid of him. Because he would beat up his hoes, mm-hmm. that should not be a thing. Like that—that's something I thought, where I go. I didn't think they, and this is just my lack of memory of the episode. I thought mm-hmm. they thought he beat up Johns, and not. Yeah, I, you know what? I think you're right. <laughs> I think yeah. that's right. <laughs> I think. Like, yeah, I think, I think they right. thought he was doing the actual uh, protection part of pimping. Yeah. And and that was why people were afraid of him. Or yeah. people were afraid re- of him just because they thought he was a pimp, like just in yeah. general. But I, but the, the 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 point still stands, which is that there shouldn't be violence associated with any particular line of work unless it's like security and you're protecting property. But like it nobody should be nobody should be afraid that their boss is gonna beat them up for not, you know, yeah. getting enough you know, getting their, their quota or whatever. And, and vice versa. Nobody should be afraid that like the person that you're buying services that you're embarrassed about is going to beat you up. But also the the whole point of that is that nobody's afraid that the grocer is going to beat you up for not paying the correct amount for pineapple, canned pineapple or whatever. And that, or that vice versa, that the pineapple, although Historically, I guess this might <laughs> this might be a little bit different, but let's say let put that aside. Is that the person who's selling the pineapple is going to beat up the pineapple salespeople for not you know canning enough pineapple or whatever? So, yeah. like, there, it, it, my point is that it's a it's a slightly different thing, and I and I guess we are running a little bit long. Although I, I have one more thing that I want to run by you that's completely here, not neither here nor there. 
because I know you like Bob's Burgers. Yes. Do you know what I'm going to bring up? I don't the know. The guy who was at the was... Capitol riot who played Jimmy right. Pesto, who's like Jimmy Pesto. The show. Yeah, that's right. Jimmy Pesto apparently is no longer going to be Jimmy Pesto because apparently he was at the Capitol riots. And you know, what's funny about this is I had no idea that was Jimmy Pesto. Do yeah. you know who I think, do you know who I thought he was, or do you know what I know him from? No, I don't. So do you remember the Sarah Silverman show on comedy central? It was, it uh, was, yeah, um, I, I remember it in passing. I didn't really watch it. Really? Okay. So yeah. that was a, that was, it was, I mean, this was probably 2006, 2007 around then. Do you remember the show Stella? That was uh, uh, Michael Ian Black, my, yeah. Michael Showalter, and um, yeah. so it was probably around that same time. Um, let me look at that up real quick. I'm kind of curious. I I mean I re- I loved that show, both both the show Silverman show and Stella. Oh my gosh, 2005. So the year that we that we graduated, I guess. Uh, so Michael Ian Black, Michael Showalter, and David uh, Wayan, I guess it was. But and the Sarah Silverman show, it looks like, was two thousand seven. Holy shit! I didn't know she was fifty one years old. Wow, she looks great for fifty one. But uh, anyways, I, I always had a really big crush on on Sarah Silverman, and huh. she was also on Voyager and Star Trek Voyager in season one. When they go back in time to San Francisco, they think they find their way back to Earth, but it turns out they find their way back to Earth in 1997. And she's like the person that runs the observatory in, uh, actually, it's either, maybe it's LA, but I think it's San Diego. But uh, she runs this uh, observatory there and she's the one who sees Voyager. So then the Voyager crew has to come down and convince her that it's not that like, she's not seeing aliens, but then it's, um, <laughs> who's the, who's the bad guy in it is, uh, he's like a big time, like electric car advocate. Who's like a nobody, um, actor. It, it doesn't matter, but, <laughs> but anyways, so she had that show, but in, in that show, the Sarah Silverman show, he played the cop who was dating her sister and the whole joke about her sister was that she had vaguely Asian features. So throughout the mm-hmm. program, Asians would walk up to her and start talking, you know, Chinese or Vietnamese or like some sort of Asian language. And she'd go, oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't speak that language. I just have vaguely Asian features. <laughs> Which in it's, it's crazy to think because that would be so unacceptable now that two Jewish people. Sarah Silverman and her sister, who is Jewish, would be would have this running joke that <laughs> that she had vaguely Asian features, so it was okay that Asians would like come up to her and talk Asian stuff to her, yeah. like Asian languages. I, it's just such a bizarre thing. That's what I know him from, and I just thought it would be funny because I know you like Bob's Burgers a lot. Yeah, and um, that is pretty funny. So it it is. It's a weird, a very weird situation. They also had. Uh, do you you know uh Brian um Brian Posen, I think it is. Posen. Posen and mm-hmm. uh Steve AG. Mm-hmm. So those two guys were they were a gay couple in the show. 
Yeah, like I mean, that's what I said. Like I've, I've seen, like I freaking love I that. Remember show. more of the show now, but like, yeah, I didn't watch a huge amount of it. But that's funny. They had, <laughs> they had this one episode where, so and do you remember my friend Jose? Uh, that was I, like I my, never what, actually met him. No. Okay. No, he and I were like best friends when I worked at Toys R Us. Be- mm-hmm. Probably he was my best friend before I met you. Yeah, uh, and then I met you, and then you and I were best friends. <laughs> so, uh, and then Jose, I think, moved out of Miami. But I, I remember like what my, my like defining moment for Jose was I was training him on how to like run the cash register at Toys R Us, mm-hmm. and somebody somebody did something, and he was like, "That's fucking racist," and I was like, "What racist against Germans?" And he's like, "No, dude, I'm Puerto Rican." But he was blonde haired, blue eyed, <laughs> and I had no idea he was Puerto Rican. But he was That's fluent in Spanish; like he would talk to yeah. our our customers in Spanish and stuff. It was just really funny to me. That is but funny. we used to do this thing that we learned from uh, Brian and Steve on that show, where we would fist bump and we would go, "I'm so gay for you, bro," <laughs> because they would do that <laughs> on the show all the time. Yeah, and there was funny. this one episode of that show where they they learned that medical marijuana is a thing. And this was kind of like my like early like early introduction to marijuana because you remember when you and I met, I was very much opposed to it. Yes. And then I and then Jose and I started working together, and that was kind of my inroads to it, like to it being like a like a socially acceptable thing. Hmm. And and maybe this is racist, but it was because he's Puerto Rican and they smoke a lot of marijuana. At least all the Puerto Ricans that he was friends with, and that. And his family. So, <laughs> so it was in that episode, the uh, Brian and Steve learn that you can get prescribed marijuana. And so they go to a doctor, the doctor prescribes them, but they're pills. And, but they don't understand that you just take the pills. So they decide they're going to smoke these pills. And it like is very, very bad <laughs> for their experience. And they end up getting like way, way, way too high from smoking marijuana or THC pills. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that's basically the entire episode where they're like, just like way, way too paranoid from it. But it's a, it's a good episode. It's a great show. I recommend it to everybody. It's, it's very funny. Good. So anyways, that's it. All right. Well, I got to get to bed and right, uh, I'll talk to you in the morning. All right. Take it easy, man. Base.